I hope people come see the film because they're interested in how we're all being affected by consumerism. But if they come in because they're also interested in the lives of the rich, that's fine too because I think in a way the surprise of the movie is that you see that this isn't just about somebody else. I'm Casey Finey, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation, a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. Photographer and filmmaker Lauren Greenfield has been carefully examining worlds of excess wealth and addiction for more than two decades. Her 2006 documentary, Thin, took a harrowing look at young girls getting treatment at an anorexia clinic. Her 2012 breakout hit, The Queen of Versailles, documented one couple living through the 2008 economic recession right in the middle of constructing their modern-day palace. And now, Lauren's latest documentary, Generation Wealth, blends together a lot of her past photography and film work for a telling portrait of where society is headed. And to be perfectly honest, the future doesn't look so bright. What makes Lauren such a skilled filmmaker is the fact that through her lens, her subjects aren't the ones being criticized. It's the situations that got them there that deserve a closer look. I have to say that your new film completely threw me for a loop in the best way possible because I watched a trailer and I thought I had a good understanding of what it was going to be about. But when I actually watched the film, it was a deeper dive into so much more. So What was the original conceit of Generation Wealth and how did it expand over time? Yeah, well, it originally started as I looked back over 25 years of work from the early 90s around the time of the financial crash. And when I was making my last film, The Queen of Versailles, I started to think that maybe the work I had done since the early 90s told a bigger story about how our culture had changed and how the American dream had changed, how we had kind of gone from a dream marked by or or characterized by hard work and frugality and discipline to a dream that was more about bling and celebrity and narcissism. And I started going back through the work and trying to connect the dots. What did it mean about us? And also going to some of the people, some of the subjects that I had photographed and filmed with over the years. Some I had, my early work was about kids growing up in LA. So I started going back to them and they were now parents. As their stories started to evolve, I guess the big surprise was that I became a part of the story too. And in kind of unexpected ways, um, thinking about in a way, how generation wealth affected me and how we were all kind of part of this addictive cycle of consumerism. Nice. And that's one thing that I really loved about this film in particular, because with your work, I think the most involved you've been in a film was basically doing like a little bit of narration in Queen of Versailles. Like you were you're in your past films, you're not as present. No. And I think that that's what a lot of people think of when they think of photographers and documentary filmmakers. Like, you are just there to tell someone else's story. Okay. But with with Generation Wealth, it was so much of your personal life. You have your sons, you have your husband, you have, you know, you're kind of exposing yourself as a bit of a workaholic. So why was that important for you to include that really personal narrative? Because it could have easily just been a focus on everyone else, but you consciously chose to include your own life. Why was that so important to you? I really wanted to show how we're all complicit in this story. And this isn't about a bad guy over there. Um, I also really want people to be able to stand in the shoes of the subjects and see that 
I'm not being judgmental and not pointing the finger. Um, I really think that, I mean, my work has always been about kind of what makes us tick and why people make the decisions they do and what are the influences that are playing upon them. And so the people that are part of my work, whether it's Jackie and David Siegel from The Queen of Versailles or in this film, there's a hedge fund banker who makes $800 million and then is accused of defrauding investors and loses it all. Um, sometimes there are extreme characters because I'm really trying to show how we're all influenced by the popular culture around us. And it's so ubiquitous around us, it's hard to see. It's like the air we breathe. And so sometimes I need to look at either extreme situations or extreme characters to show that. But at the end of the day, this is a story about us and us kind of barreling towards an unsustainable future if we don't make a change. Right. And speaking of characters, what was that process like for you in terms of, because you mentioned this this has been 25 years in the making, essentially. And so you obviously have a lot of characters to work with, a lot of different entry points into these overall themes. So what was that process like for you deciding who would tell these stories? Well, one of the things that was interesting in going back is there were some people I had followed over many years and had multiple interviews. So you kind of get to see the growing up process. But I was really looking for people who I had photographed and filmed with whose stories told a story about generation wealth, about the times we live in, about what's affecting us all every day. And so, and each in a different way. I also was trying to show by the end of it, I realized that wealth wasn't just about money. It was about fake it till you make it, posing as having it in a way that was as important as having it itself. It was about the currency of beauty, the currency of youth, the currency of sexuality, the currency of fame. And so each character's story tells a different piece of that. And that's what I love about your films, because it's not as if you are criticizing the subjects themselves. You're analyzing the situations that got them to where they are. And so as a filmmaker, how do you walk that line? Because it's very easy to to judge, to judge, especially, you know, the the pension guy who defrauded everyone because he's sitting there on the couch with a cigar and just like really brash. Right. And it's easy just to judge them. But the way you approach it, it's just analyzing the situations that got them to where they are. So well, how do you walk that line? I think when you get to know people, you show their humanity. Mm-hmm. Like, I find that the more I understand why somebody does what they do, you kind of see that maybe if you were in that situation, you would do the same. And um, I think that it's okay if people have judgments when they first meet them. You know, you might think Florian is completely greedy. The You know, he's almost the devil when you meet him, and that's right. fine as long as you go through the journey. And then when the devil becomes the truth teller who's teaching us from the wisdom that he's learned from his mistakes and his tragedies – that's when it gets interesting. And I think that all of the characters have that kind of arc. You have Suzanne, who seems like she only cares about her work, only to find that she's completely transformed when she realizes she wants to have a baby. And so I think it's that emotional journey that makes it interesting and also makes it so you can identify with the characters. And I think, for me, I learned from them. And that was the other reason I wanted to put myself in the story is because to kind of show what I learned along the way and what I hope the audience also learns 
um, about our culture, but also about the ways that they're also complicit in generation wealth. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing, another interesting aspect of including yourself in the story is that we could see your editing process for photography. We saw the book that it eventually spawned from the film Generation Wealth as well. We see a bunch of photos and just you going through the process of picking those photos and just figuring it out. And I think I read in the production notes for this movie that you had what, 30 months of editing? It's just months and yes. months of editing. So what was that like, knowing that you had such this abundance of film and to really trim it into a cohesive narrative and just, like, making sure that you get the right arcs? Like, what was that I mean, it was like? really overwhelming, really consuming, yeah. and <laughs> I was really obsessive. And I think that it was the most ambitious project I've ever done. And... I mean, at times, I didn't know if I could climb that mountain. Um, but I think that's what also made me look at why am I so obsessed with this and how am I also addicted to my work? Like Florian, how am I a workaholic? And what is the effect that that has on my family? Not that it's not a worthy pursuit. I'm glad I did it. I love my work. But I also felt like the other characters that I needed to wake up to the consequences too and kind of deal with them. And so that's kind of my story in the film. Right. And I love that, you know, your Gabriel held, held up that sign in the movie, like where you're trying to film your boys and who's like, just stop filming. I was like, you're always filming. So, I mean, how, I guess like, how has working on this film made you uh, re-examine your life and your work and your relationship to it because you mentioned you know you're a self-proclaimed workaholic and has realizing that through working on this film given you any pause in your well, work? Well they I mean I think I've learned a lot and I think they've also taught me my kids have taught me actually Mijanu says something at the end of the film about how your kids teach you and help heal you and she's somebody who I photographed when she was a kid and she had a kind of both glamorous and traumatic childhood, and then went really far away and raised her kids in a different way. I think that like all of the characters at the end of the film, even though it feels like we're kind of zooming towards the apocalypse, <laughs> it turns out that there is kind of hope and possibility in seeing that. And I think I also had an awakening and woke up in a way to my kids in a different way and, and my parents and kind of why I do what I do. It doesn't mean I stop doing it. I'm still the same person. But just knowing that, knowing the effect it has on other people, being more conscious of them, listening more to them, I think it has changed me. I know my son Noah said that it has changed our relationship, which when he said that, I was like, okay, if nobody ever sees this movie, it was worth it because uh -huh. he said it improved our relationship. And I mean, it's strange to, of course, maybe it's typical for me that that would happen on camera, right. you'd think. <laughs> but I don't know. I think there is a magic that has always happened also with my subjects where we have these really intense conversations and very honest conversations on camera. And sometimes that space reveals emotional truth that, you know, you, you don't get to when you're distracted by a million things. And I mean, part of this film is also about the distraction of everyday life and how we use technology and use our desires and use our constant motion to kind of numb out to 
what's really there and what our real wealth around us is. You mentioned that that Generation Wealth has it was your most ambitious project to date. So what does the scale of a project like this, like what has it taught you about your creative process overall? Well, I think it has been cathartic to do it. It was exciting to also make a project that I was wholly constructing, but that also grew very organically. It allowed me to close the chapter a little bit on the print period of Mm -hmm. our time, like you see in the movie, going from analog to digital, going from scanning slides. We scanned over 10,000 slides to... I used to do audio recordings on the schoolyard to video to bigger video with a crew and 4K. It kind of spans the medium. And I think there was something cathartic about going through the past, both in my work, but also in my life. This, my parents are in it. They talk about, my dad talks about his family, my kids. In a way, it was kind of a, a, a cycle of life, you know, going through that I think is cathartic and I can kind of move on, leave that behind and build on it to do something else. Right. That's what I find so interesting because, I mean, this has been, like you mentioned, you've been kind of building toward this. And so in kind of re-examining books like Fast Forward and, you know, just and Kids and Money and just all these different uh, films and books that you've done, how have you seen your own evolution as a filmmaker? Because I know that you went to school for filmmaking and then you switched to photography when that wasn't really taking off career-wise immediately. No, and no, I didn't get into any film school. Oh, you didn't get into any I was rejected. <laughs> by, I, I wanted to go to school. I was rejected by every film school. And my husband, who's also in this film, said, do your photography. And through that, you'll be able to do anything else. He really... Um, a friend of mine who saw the film yesterday said it's really a love story. This It's kind of like my husband has been a big part of this process and encouraging me to kind of move forward. Right. Um, and he always encouraged me to work on my personal work and see where that leads. So how has that been? I mean, how has sort of your evolution as a photographer and a filmmaker, knowing that these are things that you've been kind of doing in tandem for years now, how have you seen yourself evolve as a photographer and a filmmaker? Well, it made me um, really try to use the medium for what it could do. I started this by doing a book actually with no intention of making a film and really wanted to make the film eventually for a couple reasons. One was I wanted to have it be more emotional and empathic. When I'm doing the work, I really love the subjects. I really am affected by their highs and lows. And in this film, there are a lot of tragic moments. And I wanted the audience to feel that too. There's something about photography that kind of keeps you on the surface and can be more voyeuristic and less empathic. And I think for this project, it was really important that for me that people can see themselves also in the characters, no matter how extreme they might be. And the other reason is I wanted to give the project historical context. I realized by the time I was kind of midway through that This was not just my 25-year journey and the things that I had been drawn to through my own kind of personal experiences, which we hear about, too, in the film, that I was affected by growing up in going to a very fancy school where I couldn't have what the other kids had and wanting that, but also knowing it was silly to want that, but still wanting it and kind of examining that and then seeing that kind of become 
like a collective FOMO where everybody was feeling. <laughs> collective that... <laughs> FOMO, I love that. <laughs> but I realized that this was not just my journey, that when I looked back, I saw that this really did start in the early 90s when I was starting to make pictures. And when I was going back, I found a picture of Kim Kardashian at 12 years old in right. the outtakes. And that kind of said to me, like, this was th- this was our time. That's when it started. She was a kid then. She becomes a driver of Generation Wealth. And similarly, um, when the movie Wall Street came out and Gordon Gekko said, greed is good, that was another cultural touchstone. So in the film, you're able to step back and not just be inside your work, but give it context. Absolutely. And you mentioned that this, the Generation Wealth, it was very cathartic to make it and it kind of gives you a little bit more freedom to possibly go on and explore new things. So what about a certain theme or a certain topic to explore? Like what what compels you to latch on to something? What sparks yeah, that interest I mean, I in really, you? My, I remember my teacher in college said, follow your heart. And that's kind of the advice I've taken too hard. I really try to only take projects that inspire me in some way. In Generation Wealth, there are a lot of people that I met through magazine assignments, but I really just tried to take magazine assignments that could build this work and where I could also find passion and not just do a job. And so I'm, I find I'm always looking for stories that are about amazing characters but and complex characters, but that also speak to society on a larger level that can also be symbolic. When I did Queen of Versailles, I was fascinated by Jackie and David's life, but I was even more interested in the way their story represented the American dream and kind of the American dream on steroids. And their fall mirrored what so many other people what happened to so many other people, but on a lesser scale or them on a bigger scale. Right, right. I think some people can go into a film or a project like this with preconceived notions of what they think it is. And it's, it's completely natural. So for you, what was sort of what was your what was your mindset of of this topic before you started it? And then what's your thinking about it now? Well, I mean, if people come in with preset notions, that's OK, because hopefully like you They'll right. get turned on their head watching. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what um, what I try to do. I mean, I hope people come see the film because they're interested in how we're all being affected by consumerism and kind of how we're affected by the Matrix on a daily basis, um, the kind of Kim Kardashian influence. But if they come in because they're also interested in the lives of the rich or a little bit of schadenfreude or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is, that's fine, too, because I think in a way the surprise of the movie is that you see that this isn't just about somebody else. And, you know, I think that is also why um, my being in the film is is, is important because I kind of start out as an observer mm-hmm. and end up realizing my own participation. And... I feel like, you know, I've always done this work not just as an outsider, as an observer, but also as an insider. It's the only way I've given access. And it's also the way I can relate. And I know things are important. I mean, I was interested in the aspiration because I wanted designer clothes and I could relate to those things. And in the film, I kind of try to show how things going on in my life inspired the work, too. And like... I look at how women age and how hard that is for 
uh, when your body is your currency to kind of see the aging process. And that started for me when in my late 20s, a doctor offered me Botox. Mm. Um, And it was kind of like, you know, being in the eating the apple in the Garden of Eden. I didn't know I had wrinkles until he offered me Botox. Um, And so so I'm kind of trying to have that like meta, you know, piece of it too. My kids are Show one uh, Gabriel showing me a paper saying, you know, you have a problem. You're filming to me too much, <laughs> and of course that ends up in the film. So it's it's also a kind of self examination, right? And you know, speaking of kind of examining your work and your career, where do you find it? Where do you where would you place yourself in the overall landscape of documentary filmmakers? Like, what do you feel that you're doing that's striking a chord where other filmmakers may not be striking a chord like what about your work do you think is standing out from the field because there's a lot of amazing filmmakers out there who are in the documentary space and your films seem to really outside of just having compelling themes the way you approach them is very unique it's a very it's i find it i find it very refreshing so what do you think you're doing to kind of carve your own to carve your own lane in this overall field of documentary mm-hmm. filmmaking? I mean, that's a hard question. I think that the the gift that we have right now as documentary filmmakers is that the nonfiction space has completely opened up. Absolutely. And I feel really lucky to be a part of it. Documentary has just kind of opened up and flowered and created so many different opportunities for self-expression and I mean, I feel really lucky. All of the films that I've done, Thin Queen of Versailles and Generation Wealth, are completely different. I mean, I've really just tried to have each film kind of reflect its subject and its own voice and and not, you know, try to work in any particular style. But I think one thing that has been different for me is that as an artist, I've been on kind of a consistent journey. And so whether it's photographs or films or even commercials I made the spot like a girl the viral spot that was on during the Super Bowl I really try to kind of let my voice and my perspective come through and so in that sense I kind of don't have to worry about distinguishing myself from everybody because there's you know everybody only has their unique voice right and you have quite the unique voice and quite the unique (laughs) perspective I just want to thank you for coming in today. I really appreciate it. And Generation Wealth is such an interesting film. It's, it, like I said, completely threw me for a loop. So thank you so much and congratulations. It's a wonderful film. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Fast Company's Creative Conversation. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe if you like what you've been hearing. Also, check out Fast Company's other podcast, Secrets of the Most Productive People. Have a good one.